0: episode 90 of the avatar hour podcast your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of avatar i'm kayla and i'm andre and today we're beginning our very first recap of the brand new chronicles of the avatar novel the dawn of yang chen so yes this is our first time that we've like i think this is definitely our first time reviewing brand new avatar media so yep and we don't have, like, things that it just, like, released, like, a few years ago. This is this is brand new. It came out in July. It is now August. Like, very exciting stuff. Yep. Um, but yeah, so in this episode, you can expect some full spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra. And there are also some potential spoilers, just to give an advanced warning for the, both Kiyoshi novels, because you might draw some comparisons between the two. We shall see. But just to be safe. Uh, but now, before we get into our discussion, Andre, how are we doing this week?
1: I'm doing good, and I'm excited to officially start Season 4B of the Avatar Hour podcast. And this is set to be our uh, longest run yet. Um, I think this this half of the season will end sometime in March next year, so we're going to be sticking around for quite a while. Um, and that'll also coincide with Cabbage Con and lots of other fun things, so I'm just ready for this this next run of the avatar hour podcast we're going to be talking about so much stuff but i'm really excited about it how about you
0: yeah i am super excited for it as well there's obviously plenty of content for us to go through and you know i'm kind of excited to get back into the novels you know um like this is also kind of forcing me to read something which is great and (laughs) good forcing because maybe this is a sign i should join a book club or something uh, <laughs> but no, I'm just excited to kind of jump back into the world of Avatar in the books and especially Yang Chen, which we've talked about before, like how revered she is in the Avatar universe and, you know, learning more about kind of what made her into that kind of image and also what's, you know, some of her kind of flaws were as well. We did touch a little bit about that on Shadow of Kiyoshi, of course, but I'm just excited to see the, you know, kind of what i'm always interested in learning more about the world of avatar and of course whoever the newest avatars are so i'm very excited to get to kind of dig deep into this and also kind of this kind of serves as a way to debunk uh fandom and world uh assumptions about different avatars so
1: yes yeah i'm really great I'm really excited to learn more about yang chen but yeah but let's get into some news that came out um tons and i mean tons of casting announcements came out since our last episode um we could list them all but um it's i imagine that Extensive. our yeah i imagine our feelings on it is pretty much similar to all the casting announcements which is we're pretty much happy with them um They've given us no reason to, like, you know, raise an eyebrow at Netflix. Um, Everyone seems to be really great, really talented. Um, If you'd like, like, a full account of all the new casting announcements, you can head over to at Avatar News on Instagram, um, because they, every time a casting announcement comes out, they're the first one to put it up there. Um, Some of them are uh it's like some of it is casting that we already knew about, but it's we know now what that actor or actress is going to play, which character they're going to play. Um so for example, I think um a couple of months ago um Arden Show was announced that she was gonna be involved, but I, I think we only learned till this last week's week or so that she'll be playing June. Um so it's both new and slightly you know news that we kind of already know uh but just more information on uh the netflix live action series um but yeah uh as far as that goes we also have uh, a slight bit of news that i'm very excited about um jeremy zuckerman who is the composer of avatar last airbender and legend of Korra, he posted a picture on his Instagram story, I believe, of some sheet music with it's like, you know, big, like orchestral sheet music. And the tagline of each like sheet music is Atla Book One Water. And I don't know, he is confirmed. Um, oh, wait, no, never mind. He's not confirmed for the Netflix live action series. So this will actually, I think, is supposed to hint at the fact that we're getting like an official music release of the music from atla um the most we have right now is stuff that jeremy Zuckerman has posted on like his soundcloud um in terms of like official music and also legend of Korra book one got an official itunes release and streaming release which you can still go on like spotify today and listen to some of it um but i'm really excited because this has been in the works uh and it's been rumored for quite a while um and it looks like based on these pictures that they will be re-recording with an actual orchestra, um, the music of the original show. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, based on the timeline of this kind of thing, I don't know when we'll actually see this album. Um, but I'm interested if it'll, uh, encompass all of the seasons or each uh, they'll do like a separate album for each season. But yeah, very exciting stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't care like whether, you know, I, I'm just ready for Avatar music. So I can listen to like that's I listen to Star Wars film scores when I'm working sometimes. So I'm just excited to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I also want the final Agni Kai on uh, on like Spotify or something, so I can like listen to that shit, you know. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> absolutely.
1: The track list that we saw um posted on Jeremy Zuckerman's um instagram story and it's, it's just pictures of a bunch of sheet music with like handwritten titles um so one is atla Premier main title one is banished then there is agni kai Kyoshi suite into fire nation territory and roku destroys the temple um and they're all they're numbered all different kinds of weight. the last one roku destroys the temple is labeled number 26 um and I don't know if that is like official track listing or just like for administration purposes as they record. Um, But mm. we're, we're getting a whole lot. It sounds like from this album. So I'm, I'm very, very excited Um, that this is like it finally is happening because his music yes. is amazing, amazing. And he deserves that. Absolutely. So that's all the news for this week. Um, Do you want to just go straight into it,
0: Kayla? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right.
1: So we're actually going to cover. We are capped. Kind of covering the first four chapters along with the prologue at the very beginning um so this prologue i mean the book immediately opens up um with some action at the western air temple and uh apparently a young yang chin is suffering from what seems to be a uh, one of of several traumatic visions where she seems to be possessed by avatar's past um and is like at this point uh experiencing the grief of of one of these avatars. Um, Jetsoon, which is uh, a new character, a new airbender there, goes to this library to try and figure out, you know, who Yangshin is talking about to try and like ground her and she goes to this library and apparently like jumps between the towers without a glider, which is apparently very impressive as I think it should be.
0: And dangerous. <laughs>
1: and very dangerous. And we learned that this is a, this is a thing that's been happening with Yangshin for quite a while. She's having these conversations with the companions of past avatars and um again like when she's in sometimes they're like pleasant conversations other times they're like this where she's experiencing the grief of those past avatars and i just thought this was so interesting i know this was in the synopsis that was released um but i think it's so interesting because we we see some instances of quote-unquote possession of past avatars um but i don't think nothing quite like what's going on with yang chen um and i wonder if it's a sort of like just an inclination to the spirit world that she has um that she has this like kind of like open connection with all of the past avatars even more so than a regular avatar but I think mm-hmm. it's going to play a big role. It's the first thing that we read as part of this book. So I imagine it's going to be very important later on. Um, So Jetsun brings this book titled A Discourse on Floodplain Management. And because they heard Yangchen mention the, the name Mesese, we learned that Mesese was a companion of Avatar Gun who lost his life to a tsunami The Avatar Gun attempted to stop. Uh, according to Avatar Wiki, this is the first time Avatar Gun is mentioned. But I swear we heard his name before at some other I point.
0: Like, I want to say it was probably one of the Kiyoshi novels, like maybe a passing mention. That's the only thing um, I can think
1: of. But it because it says in Avatar Wiki that this is the first time he's mentioned. But I'm like. my brain was immediately like oh yeah i've heard that before i've heard that name before yeah i'm kind of
0: scratching my head at that but you know i mean avatar wiki has been kind of saving our butts for a while so you know
1: i know i just i just don't know if i like completely made it up but if if you also recognize the name then i feel like there's something there but yeah most likely we heard it in the kiyoshi novels um but as far as like more information on him he's he's a mystery we don't know his native element or who followed or preceded him uh, we just know that he was obviously before Yang Chen. Um, I also feel like something's a little fruity here because Gun had like had a pet name for him. He called him Seisei. Sei, and when he died, he went on an avatar hiatus in mourning for a while before he returned to his duties. So something's, something's a little gay, a little fruity. A little fr- I'm just saying. That's just, that's just the vibe I got. I'm just saying. Um but and and hearing like these familiar words from this book that Masase wrote kind of brings yangchen back to herself and she's able to calm down so yeah very interesting opening
0: and and she's a young girl going through all these yeah. things like experiencing like the pain of her past lives mm-hmm. as like i think she's like 8 years old in this chapter the, it's very young, very young very young yeah, yeah, like she's she's a little kid and she's been having these vi- these experiences, not just visions. Um, so, yay, more traumatized children in Avatar. <laughs> um, uh it seems to be a common thread, but yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by like, especially how these experiences happen as she gets older. Mm-hmm. Is this something that she learns to control? Is this something that she closes herself off may- to? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but I can definitely see how it contributes to who she is and we see her in later chapters, but we'll put a pin in that for now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but that's pretty much the prologue. So there's something very significant happening in that prologue that I feel like will be a common thread throughout this novel. Um, and then the first official chapter, the first step, um, there's not much that happens in this chapter. This chapter was released as a preview back in May. Um, I don't know how we missed that, but basically we just learned that Yang Chen uh, was Able to cross into the spirit world on her first try at age eleven, um which tracks based on what we know about her, and we also figured out that Yang chin pretty much knew that she was the avatar long before she was supposed to um and we come to find out that this jetsoon character is a kind of sister to Yang Chen, and s c e makes a point to say that it's they're not related in blood but in bond. Um, but it's interesting because I know she's not present in the other chapters, but I don't know if we just have to keep reading or if there's like a story there, but I'm excited for that. What I was also excited about is in this chapter, they're meditating in this sort of um kind of like hollowed out like area with pillars surrounding them. And I realized that I think this is supposed to be the same area that we see in Legend of Korra when Tenzin and Korra are are trying to get Jinora back from the spirit
0: that's world, right. or like trying to get into the spirit world. I didn't even think of that. Yeah,
1: because it's not, It seemed very. I don't know. Something something like clicked on my brain, and then Avatar Wiki said that the that this setting resembles what we see in that episode because it's also near the Eastern Air Temple, and that's where Tenzin and the gang were around that episode. So that's a really cool Legend of Korra connection. Yeah, that I didn't, I didn't see coming at all.
0: Well, Also, um, I mean, I thought when I, I'm looking at these show notes, when you mentioned when you had Legend of Korra connection in your notes, I thought that you were referring to the fact that, you know, they both knew. Like, you know, I mean, obviously Aang found out at a young age as well, but Korra knew younger than, he, than him and clearly she probably did too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yang Chen, I mean. So there's oh, another yeah. Legend of Korra connection there too. That was not what I was thinking of at all. I also want to point out that, they mentioned in the chapter that like they're they're in the Eastern Air Temple right now.
1: They're like they're like near the Eastern Air Temple, I think. Yeah.
0: The reason why I'm asking is because it talked about how like the Western Air Temple is supposed to be the most spiritual, mm. you know, of the temples, but it was more so on reputation than fact. So I thought that was an interesting little jab there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the placebo,
1: so. the spiritual placebo effect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just little, just little deets like that. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. And that's one of the things that we talked about, you know, for kind of our hopes for this book is that we get to learn more about airbender culture and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I I'm I'm already getting the, the little tidbits, and I'm like I'm ready for more.
1: I was kind of slightly disappointed that we didn't see more of of Yang Chen's childhood. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because I was I was used to the bits that we got in Kyoshi, which I think probably looking back we kind of got the same amount.
0: Yeah, and there's chances for flashbacks too. You know. Oh yeah,
1: yeah for sure. But I was just I was just um surprised just how how quickly we were going through like the first couple years of her life, um. And I also forgot, like, some of these chapters can go, like, by, like, really quickly, too. Yeah, these um, are
0: some pretty short chapters we have. Here. Yeah, I
1: didn't even notice that there was a prologue until you texted me about it. I think yeah. I just, like, thought it was just I thought it was one, a chapter, chapter, too, as
0: well. But um, yeah. then I checked Avatar Wiki just to make sure I had everything right. And I'm glad I checked, because Avatar yeah, Wiki classifies it as a prologue. Yeah, then our,
1: then our numbers would have been off. And, yeah, we would we have, like, ended that. with, like, one chapter at the end of our weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, and that's that's pretty much all that happens in this first chapter. And then chapter two, voices of the present, um, we're introduced to a new character, uh, Kavik, I think is how you say it. Um, and he's a seventeen year old waterbender working in the town of Bin Air, er, a city Yangchen later calls a city of spies. This kind of reminds me of the Earth Kingdom city that we go to in Rise of Kyoshi, the one like the governor is like not like governing well. Um, I don't remember the name of the town, but also like this is the Earth Kingdom. It never has its shit together, never. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it seems to be in control of these um like crime lords called Shangs. Um, and there seems to be like a bunch of like turf war stuff going on. So interested in seeing that. Um, but we basically follow this new character. He breaks into this guest house made out of ice called the Blue Mance. Um, and I think it's like s- supposed to try to. Replicate the feeling of being in like one of the water tribes, I guess, which I yeah. felt like well, a little funny.
0: It's very, it's very dumb because like, um, well, I get why. I I think it does space because of the fact that like Yangchen's staying there. I think it also mm. means that it's like kind of a place for high ranking people to stay in um, when they're in mm. the area. But uh, so I'm just laughing at myself thinking, like, because I talked about how like water benders have to like maintain it to make sure it doesn't yeah. melt. I'm like, what idiot yeah. came up with this?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like, it's um, just oh, that, that's that's people's whole jobs in this, and is just to maintain like water made buildings. Yeah, I,
0: that. I don't know, that's just the dumbest thing I've, I've heard so far. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So um, Kavik has been sent to collect information from this building and it's really cool. I had to read it a couple of times to like fully understand how, what he was doing. But for my understanding, it's really cool. He basically like is going from the ground floor to the third floor by taking like water bending some of the water from the ceiling under him and basically like inching himself up the building. And because it's like frozen water... Uh, he can't let it touch him because he'll go into, like, hypothermia and, like, die. But then at one point he notices that there are, like, guards in this building. And no one told him that there would be guards. So now he's just, like, clawing up, doesn't care if he gets wet or whatever. Um, and then he breaks into this room on the third floor. And he finds some, like, you know, some some books, some notes. And he's basically just been sent to, like, memorize what he can and then leave. Um, until a woman walks in And he sees her, like, blow dry her hair with just, like, a wave of her hand. And he's like, what's going on? And then he sees the airbender tattoo, and then he realizes whose room he's in. And he has just broken into Avatar Yang Chen's room.
0: I just remember going, oh, fuck with him. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, God, buddy, you fucked around and you found out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love her line of, please don't steal that. I haven't finished studying it and then something about like her screaming. Like, like I love yeah, how like I screamer. love how SE has chosen to characterize her because I feel like we've seen the sage serious Yang Chen, but this is also Yang Chen at 17 years old. Yeah. Um but it seems that she's like already pretty self-established. Like she's got the yellow and orange robes, the wooden necklaces the that tattoos. we know her as, the tattoos. Yeah. So she seems pretty well established already. Um, yeah. Versus, like, unfortunately, Kiyoshi at this age, I don't think people would clock her in- and think that she was the avatar. No. Like, I were... don't think people knew, you know. I think
0: this early into her avatar hood, like, Kiyoshi, she wasn't quite the, oh shit, it's Kiyoshi kind of stage, yeah. you know? Yeah. That took her a little bit to establish the, oh shit, she, it's Kiyoshi, Kiyoshi's here kind of thing. Um, yeah. I also want to point out that I think with, like, all of these visions that she has of past avatars, it's kind of forced her to kind of mature. Because honest mm. to God, I forgot that she was 17 in this, around 17 at this point. Yeah. Like, I was already picturing, like, the same bluish spirit that we see in Avatar Last Air, but I know she's talking to Aang. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely has something to do with her, like, maturing a little faster. And I guess it does ha- come with being in the Avatar, with being a world leader and having that kind of pressure on your shoulders. But I also think constantly living glimpses of some of the most painful parts of your past lives would do that to you, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting um but yeah that's all on my chapters we will be back with chapter three and four and more discussion on the donnie yang Chen after this quick break
0: hey everyone kayla here before we get into the second half of the episode we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the avatar hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice and if that platform has a rating system please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. And we're back with chapters three and four of The Dawn of Yang Chen. I came very close to saying the shadow of Yang Chen, and that is not the correct book title. (laughs) So chapter three, Flight, essentially drops us right back where we were before. Yang Chen essentially lets out the airbender equivalent of the canary cry from Black Canary, uh, causing, (laughs) you know, is it Kavik or? K- oh, how, how do we pronounce it again? I totally I, forgot. I'm
1: going with, Kavik. Okay, I don't I'm think, go with like, Kavik. I don't think like it's like Kavik or anything. I think it's yeah. just Kavik.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Kavik, so
1: she, maybe? I don't know.
0: I've been pronouncing it Kavik in my head. Someone I need the audiobook.
1: To... I need the audiobook to
0: tell me yeah, how to right? it. Yeah, right. Someone needs to correct me on this. We'll want to go for Kavik for now, and I will correct myself if needed. Um. So, yeah. So she lets out the airbender equivalent of the canary cry, which causes Kavik to briefly be incapacitated before guards wrench in. Uh, he then hides behind Yang Chen in a sort of impromptu, almost like hide, part hiding behind her, part using her as a hostage-ish. But he doesn't have the intention yeah. to. And you know, Yang Chen then like she's just she is just cool as a fucking cucumber with all of this. She's like, oh, by the way, you got just a heads up. This guy's a waterbender, so like, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and there's a line from the book where she, he like he like he that she might be laughing at this point. So like she's just she's, like cool as a fucking cucumber with all this. I going tell on. You,
1: I love this like subtle characterization. FC is so so talented at doing that.
0: Yeah. Like he doesn't
1: he doesn't need to be like Yang Chen was uh like you know very witty and and no, it's just like he he finds ways to like show you just how cool she is, you know, and that and part of that is just taking things very not seriously which you'd think is would be the complete opposite for her character
0: well she did grow up in airbender culture which not so that they didn't take things seriously but you know they had a bit more of a you're gonna hate me for a pun here but a little bit more of a breezy approach to life so just speak okay
1: <laughs> I'm logging off bye s-
0: <laughs> I'll do the rest of this myself let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so after Yang Chen warns her guards that he is a waterbender, I wanted to point out this good set of lines here, which really shows a lot about uh, Kavik's character. And um, Mm. the line goes, and they were in a house of ice. One wrong move, he'd send deadly shards hurling into our flesh in all directions if he were a total monster. So Mm. immediately shows that he does not like he does not want to hurt Yang Chen. He just really just genuinely wants to get out of there. Uh, and just get you forget everything that happened. Also, he did kind of have a line of like, "Can we just like forget this ever happened?" No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. It just reminded me like very much of like kind of like Han Solo's like BS trying to get out of a situation. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking of mm-hmm. there. Um, and so then, instead of you know doing the thing that he thought of doing, but obviously didn't want to carry through, he takes advantage of the guard's distraction to water bend and flip a table, sending all of these different envelopes flying across the room. Then he water bends into the floor, and what I'm kind of imagining what he's doing is almost the water bending equivalent of like Boomy doing that like spin move when he comes out of the ground. That's kind of what I'm imagining oh, yeah. here, personally. Oh um, yeah. And so I also want to point out this. Uh, then he has a confrontation with the guards on the floor below them, and there's a cool note from his escape that I wanted to point out because he freezes the water in the water skin of one of the water benders. Let's say like water one more in a sentence, final die. Uh, he freezes the water skin, and like, there's a good line of fire was always fire and rocks were rocks, but water bending had the extra snag of managing the change from solid to liquid and back again. um Which is a good point. And of course, this all takes place before Yen does the paint bending and metal bending existing, but still a cool line nonetheless. I'm <laughs> um, just, it did make me think of like, yeah, that would be really fucking inconvenient to be a water bender sometimes. You just freeze someone's supply like he did before. I don't know. Actually, I was, no, it's it was, it's
1: really cool. I was I was like, damn, I never thought of that. <laughs>
0: he yeah, freeze
1: the water in the water skin. Yeah, I mean, great. it wouldn't
0: completely stop the other waterbender, but it would delay them for a few seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's but a smart move. It is a very. He obviously
1: smart is able to like really think on his feet. You know, he kind of
0: has to as an informant. That seems to be his like main source of income and his way of survival. So he kind of has to be with his line of work. Yeah,
1: I hope. I hope. I hope he's officially like part of team yang chen i think i think just in just in this chapter considering
0: he's in the summary for the book yeah he is
1: uh, yeah yeah i know i know i know <laughs> i'm just like i hope it like actually like pins out that way because i think just yeah. in these two just in these like two or three chapters like they got they have such great chemistry like i think it's gonna yeah. be really cool
0: they both they both have very witty lines and stuff and it'd just be fun to kind of watch them like work together and banter off each other as well yeah um but yeah so he does almost escape but he ends up getting captured by yang Chen's guards. She then orders them not to hurt him and and take him to the basement and she just wants to talk to him. The chapter ends with him starting to feel the weight of the crime he just committed. He's like, I just crossed the Avatar. I am so fucked. (laughs) And I would feel the exact same way too. It's kind of a very like, it's very realistic reaction there, but also shows like kind of the, the reverence around the role of the Avatar as well. Mm Mm-hmm you know
1: and uh, again she's already seemed to make like a pretty big name for herself not i think is it's more about this this specific avatar other uh, apart from the fact like she's just the avatar i think she's already made like a very important name of herself
0: absolutely absolutely um so that ends chapter three which brings into chapter four forgiveness which is very much lives up to its title uh so against yang Chen's orders the guard's Start beating up Kavik downstairs, and when Yang Chen arrives, it kind of just hoists him up, and he's like, "Oh, nothing happened down here." But then she notices the blood on his face, and she's like, "You're fired. All you guys are fired. Go talk to your supervisor right now and tell him what you did. So your name's off the list. Like, just immediately." I love that. Just, I love you know, that. Get the fuck out. I love it. As soon as the guards leave, Kavik then falls to his knees and begs for forgiveness from her. And in this scene, we get to see a whole lot more of Yang Chen's character. She is. I mean, we do see how compassionate she is with how she talks to Kyoshi and Shadow Kiyoshi. Kiyoshi. Um, but she like is incredibly compassionate as we see here, even from this age. And she uses her water bending to heal him, and so that means at this point in her avatarhood, she is mastered at or very close to mastering water bending. We don't know exactly where she is in her avatar training, but she's able to heal, which is clearly not an easy task. Um, and she also kind of uses oh, this opportunity I didn't even of think healing of that. him. Yeah. Yeah. Like she uses this opportunity to heal, of healing him to kind of get to know him and why he broke in. Um, It's not an interrogation. It's definitely a lot more smooth than that, you know? And he's Mm -hmm. kind of just willingly sharing these things. He doesn't feel under duress about it. And then she shows even more kindness, understanding that perhaps he wouldn't be a thief if, you know, he had money and gives him like a ridiculous amount of money. And he's like, and he, he tells her like, you're an air nomad. You shouldn't be touching money, <laughs> like, you know. And mm-hmm. she's just like, this is just for diplomatic shit. Just you're rolls her it. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's just like, here, take it. Like, I don't, I got plenty more. Where this came from, um, and like, just yeah, tells- there's like,
1: there's like a, a a diplomatic exchange budget or something like spe- specifically for the avatar. Like, it's very, it's yeah. very a very different situation that K- Kiyoshi had, and Cora for that of matter. A-
0: yeah, she's a little bit more. Actually, no, Cora was a little bit, had a little bit more because, like, every, she says in the show, everyone's, you know, people have always been taking care of me. So I think she's a little bit more like has a bit more of a s- established support system. True, to, like, but Yang she Chen wasn't, seems to have. She,
1: like, the White Lotus wasn't doling out like a monthly budget for her, though. Like, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, that, though. Good point. This There's is very much more
1: like business women avatar. Like, good <laughs> you point.
0: Know. Good point. I didn't even think of that. So. Which I mean makes sense if you're a world
1: world figure, diplomatic missions. Sometimes you have yeah. to pay for things. Makes sense.
0: Absolutely. I, I,
1: do, I do think it's interesting that she is not that concerned about like the 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 more ancient Airbender traditions. Like I feel like that was purposeful. Like her being like, oh, Pish Posh is just money, you know. So it's like again, kind of like kind of like challenging our our original sort of interpretation of her because uh, she was was at least an atla really um kind of presented as a by the book airbender um but that doesn't seem to be the case and i i think that's that's really interesting
0: well she did make out of a i'm not sure if it's a joke personally um but i kind of read it almost as a joke for me of like when she says like you kind of picked the wrong part in the avatar cycle to rob the avatar because i'm an airbender i'm an air nomad and like you don't really oh, have no, a no. lot of things to steal. I was thinking about that, too. I was, ta- I was talking too.
1: more about her, like, touching the actual money. Oh,
0: yeah, I know. But yeah, her uh, being I was also like, thinking about that joke. Like, she did kind of make a little bit of a... Uh, for for yeah. me, it read as a joke, personally. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it kind of fits under this, too. Um, but she, what I really like, though, about this this scene here is, like, she kind of knows that, like she has a bit more of an understanding of how the world works. And, you know, she's like, okay, if people, like, people commit crimes because they're desperate and they need money. So maybe if I give this purse, like, she's, maybe, maybe maybe there's a little bit of naivete in there, but she kind of sees, like, oh, maybe if people had, you know, a little bit more money to get by with, they probably wouldn't steal it from other people, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that seems for your thought process right now. Uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. No. Not again, no, it's only the first few chapters um but not only does she give him money she gives him the way out essentially she's like here's here's where you should go to leave don't get caught you know you're free to go and so he sneaks out into the night with all this money um and so then the first he's like not believing what the fuck just happened he's just like you know still complete disbelief but we do get to see kind of a big uh big character moment for his introduction for us at least as readers. When he immediately goes to see, um, I'm going to probably butcher this person's name, but Mama Ayunirak, I'm going to probably screw up names and I'm really sorry about that. But I think
1: I think Ayunirak, yeah.
0: Ayunirak, okay. So mm-hmm. Mama Ayunirak, who is a water tribe woman who's runs this uh, kitchen for unemployed people and gives out food and things like that. So he gives her some of the money and tells her, you know, you should go visit your family uh and like he doesn't answer any questions of where the money came from why he's doing this and just kind of just slips off into the night so that's the first person he goes to with the money clearly this is a lot of which i
1: like because it tells us that he's not greedy yes
0: absolutely and then he arrives at home which is contrary to the story that he told Chen. he sees both of his parents and eats dinner with them
1: Oh yeah, because didn't he say that his parents died?
0: Yeah, he said his parents died, and he moved out Mm -hmm. here. So
1: deceptive. But for what reason? We shall see. Yeah,
0: I'm very curious about this. Um, and like his dad tells him, like, oh yeah, by the way, there was like a lot of like commotion in the square today. Just be careful when you're going about tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. he doesn't tell his family anything about what happened, and the fact that he has an envelope stolen from Yang Chen, he has that, and he's also kind of debating whether or not to open it.
1: This is because a special tool that will help us later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wink, wink,
0: nudge, nudge. <laughs> and yeah, that's how the chapter envelope ends. is
1: going to play. Yeah. I think that envelope going to play a big, a big role. Just yeah. a feeling.
0: I almost kind of want to, like, I mean, it's like some things in my mind that I kind of thought of as to why he, like, even though know, he has like his, his parents, stuff like that, why he does the informant job. Like, does, mm-hmm. does his, like, his parents work for one of the Shangs? Did, you know what? There's just so many. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many. Different I mean, it, questions. It could.
1: It could just be like he was trying to get out of the situation. Um, yeah. Like trying to like you know get some pity, but yeah, I don't know. I think if if he does become part of like Team Avatar officially, I wonder how like that will like how he he'll deal with that and be like, I basically lied to you about that. Sorry. Um. But yeah, I want to. I want to know more about his so deal. We're put a
0: pin in that. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah but i mean honestly these first four chapters are uh again a really solid introduction to the story i really missed fce's writing and just how he subtly characterizes his characters um and not just flat out telling us this person is this and this person is that you know um and especially working with a character like ying chen you know it's like i imagine the balance of trying to fit what we know about her already and the fandom perception of her. I mean, much like he did Kiyoshi, right? You know, he kind of had to battle the fandom perception of Kiyoshi and show that Kiyoshi was so much more than that. Um, like I said, when the first synopsis came out, I'm interested to see how that applies to um, this novel. Um, but what you said, you said something earlier that was interesting to me is is where in her Avatar journey... Is she in terms of like mastering the elements? I think she's already mastered all of them. Um, that's just the impression I got. I could be wrong. Um, but I think, you know, comparing the avatar journeys of Aang, Korra, Kiyoshi, I think just to shake things up, I think he's given us an avatar that has already sort of mastered that. And the story is not about her mastering element. I think, I, I honestly, I think she's already got it you know but again could be wrong but it just that's just that's just kind of the vibe i get
0: now i'm probably i might be proven wrong and i'd be happy to be proven wrong honestly um but this seems to be a bit more about the political side of being the avatar just a hunch that i'm getting mm-hmm. from the first few chapters um yeah. rather than the bending side which i you know hey i love a good political intrigue that's you know it's why i of Kiyoshi, and mm-hmm. that's why Shadow of Kyoshi is like really good for me so
1: I yeah, I think this will be I'm getting more of like a like a, a conspiracy type of vibe. Mm-hmm. Like deep state conspiracy kind of stuff cuz I think yeah. because we got a lot of political intrigue and in Shadow Kiyoshi, I think he also uh, FCE yeah. might want to like try I'm something new. So there might be a touch of that, but I think I think this whole novel just on my impression yes. of the first four chapters might just surround this conspiracy cuz we know in the synopsis they told us like there's this like big like uh, weapon of mass destruction i feel like this envelope has something to do with that um i feel like I Kavik what, is going to be I mean, finding himself in the in the middle of the situation um so yeah, yeah i don't know
0: i do think that um what i mean by political intrigue and stuff like that is that there's still politics involved even if you're dealing with crime mm-hmm. lords versus like kings uh so that's kind i yeah. kind of lump like the kind of uh conspiracy underground just, you know, underbelly type stuff. I consider that political, personally. Uh, it's just maybe a, yeah. it's just a matter of appearances that kind of set them apart. You know, one's a little sure. bit, one appears sure. to be more squeaky clean, but they can both be filthy. You know,
1: what I do expect from this novel is also, um, I imagine, or I expect that FCE will put Yang Chen in some very difficult moral situations, as he did with For Kiyoshi. Sure um and honestly that's pretty much what avatar is all about i mean we see that across all kinds of of avatar media is the is putting them in the middle of this big moral question seeing how they you know solve it that's kind of like you know the modus operandi of the series so i think that i'm really interested to see how the character ying chin is going to kind of You know, just unfurl between all these different chapters. Like I'm just really excited. I think I think FCE did a great job of setting up the story very well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But that kind of that's kind of all my thoughts for this section of the book. Do you have anything else you want to add before we move on to recommendations? No,
1: just that I want to read. I want to keep reading.
0: (laughs) It's it is really nice and really refreshing to like. I mean, don't be wrong. I love recapping horror and recapping shows that we've watched before but it's just something so nice to have that I don't know what's going to happen next you know kind of refreshing Yeah, you know Um, but yeah so that wraps up our recap for this week for the Dawn of Yang Chen Uh, but let's move on to our recommendations for this week Uh, what do you recommend this week Andre?
1: I recommend everyone go on Netflix and watch The Sandman Um, this is just like if you want to watch a show that is like the pinnacle of all my favorite things. Uh, this is one of those shows. It is so so well written. It's based on a graphic novel by Neil Gaiman, and I love. I have like, it. I just love reading it. Yeah, all the stuff he's done. I love it. Love it so much. Um, if you watched Good Omens, um, this is kind of in the vein of that, but it's much more. It's much more dark and and dramatic than Good Omens. Um, it and... feels more
0: grand scope with like because some of the main players in Sandman is like Death and the embodiment of Dream and mm. you know things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is this is Neil Gaiman's like bread and butter. Uh, the way he like takes these mythical creatures and and characters from all this like cool mythology and and make them into real people. It's really really cool. It's like uh, like amazingly stunning. On uh, all the visuals um whoever they got directing is, is just doing an, a fantastic job um i even haven't finished watching it but i can like just fully recommend it because it's just it's so good it's so good
0: awesome yeah i definitely need to check it out but i'm also reading this the book right the graphic novel right now But uh, maybe mm-hmm. if i watch the graph watch the show and read it the graphic novel um maybe it'll, like kind of piece together a little bit easier for me because there's a lot of like Lore and like world building stuff, so maybe it might be easier for me to watch the series. I know there's some changes from the source material, um, which comes with any adaptation, um, but yeah, I definitely am excited to watch it for sure. Yeah, what about so, you, Kayla? What do you recommend? Well, my recommendation, uh, is another cult classic musical, uh, and this is actually, I kind of think that this movie is kind of a precursor to the Rocky Horror Picture show, uh, it came out right before Rocky did. And it is Brian De Palma's The Phantom of the Paradise, which is basically a very, very 70s mix of Faust, Phantom of the Opera, and The Picture of Dorian Gray, uh, all kind of mashed into a rock musical. Um, Essentially, this guy, Winslow Leach, gets his music stolen by this greedy, villainous producer, Swan. And, you know, in an accident, his face is disfigured and he haunts the paradise. This new rock nightclub that Swan is trying to open and Swan stole his music and his girl. And now he's trying to get revenge and all that stuff. So uh, that's essentially the situation. The picture of Dorian Gray and the Faust stuff comes later, which I don't want to spoil for people who haven't seen it yet. Uh, But it is on Amazon Prime. And I've released some other platforms as well, but I do know it is, I bought it on Amazon Prime so I can rewatch it again because I love it so much. The music is fantastic. (laughs) It is a cult classic for a reason because it flopped on release and only had success in one city in North America, and that is Winnipeg, Canada, for some odd reason. Um, But the music is fantastic. It's, you know, a little cheesy, a little campy. um, And it's, I don't know, I really enjoy it. If you like Rocky Horror and you know other kind of weird horror musicals, this is definitely mm-hmm. for you. Awesome! Yeah, if for nothing else, watch it for the aesthetic and the music. That's what I got.
1: Cool. <laughs> um, did we did we have a Phantom corner?
0: Oh, we don't even have it on the on the sheet. Can we just <laughs> like?
1: Sorry, just, everyone, like,
0: no Phantom corner this week. <laughs> we're we're a little rusty at this. this is what we're happens very, when we, oh.
1: <laughs> Very rusty. Very so rusty. We didn't even, did even go on a full hiatus. I know <laughs> like, but we only still, did a semi one.
0: Oh, it's still. We've also had a lot going on in our respective lives. So true. Because you know what? Don't worry about it. Because it's our show, not yours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, if you want to send us Phantom Corner entries, where can they do that, Kayla? Uh,
0: yeah, if you'd like to send us some Phantom Corner entries, you're on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast, and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. You're also on TikTok at the Avatar Hour Pod. And of course, you can also send it to us on our email at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com. You can send it our way through DMs or the email, and we will definitely share it on the show when you do.
1: Awesome. And if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life, then consider signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes, Zoom recordings, and much, much more. If you sign up for our $5 Air Acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. So if you're interested in getting more exclusive content for the Avatar Hour, definitely join us at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up for episode 90 We will see you guys next week With chapters 5 through 8 um, But until then, my name's Andre
0: And I'm Kayla Bye, Bye everyone, everyone.